You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Uh, so, um, so first Paul asked me to finish the series on his favorite book. Then he puts a Tyndale scholar on the sermon before, and then this amateur theologian gets to finish it off. So bear with me today. Um, I'm calling this today, it's about the last chapter of John, John, John 21. And this sermon, in my opinion, should be called The Last Breakfast. Because it's about a breakfast on the beach. I mean, that sounds great. And it's a breakfast with the crew. It's a day that Jesus spends with his disciples. And we're going to look at uh, three themes today. Um, and one is, uh, wait, yeah, hold on. One is uh, the fishing on the other side of the boat, where all of a sudden they pull in a whole load of fish. Then it's about the relationship between Jesus and Peter. And thirdly, it's kind of about the relationship between Peter and John, the writer of this book. But before we get into John, we should take a look at Luke. So there's a text in Luke. Uh, This is when he calls his first disciples. It's also on the beach. It's also about fishing. In fact, uh, in this passage, he meets uh, Peter and some of the other guys, and he tells them to also fish on the other side of the boat, or at least fish again. And they've... uh, um, been fishing all night, and they haven't caught anything. And then in the end, they, they catch a lot. And this is the first moment that Peter meets Jesus. And so he's sold. Uh, so let's take a look at the next piece. Yeah, and I know I'm not supposed to look at the screen. I'm sorry, Pam. Because then people at home see my back, which is awkward. Um, but I, I kind of, I, I you know, I... I'm an old guy, I need, I need a text like this to read it. But, so this is the moment where Peter uh, and, and Jesus meet. And uh, can you put the next slide on? And then he realizes, whoa, this is the Lord. And so what's, what's interesting about this story today is that when Jesus calls his disciples, it's about fishing. And then this last day is about fishing. And this is a story where, again, they've been fishing all night haven't caught anything, and Jesus calls out from shore and says, how about you try the other side? And they can catch 153 fish, even. This sounds like someone who really is detail-oriented, right? John remembers it's 153 fish, not just a lot of fish. And this is, um, and, 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 and Jesus says in Luke at the end, I'm going to make you fishes of men, so come and join me. And so Peter and the, and, and the guys follow him, and here he's wrapping up sort of the end of their, their working together on earth. Uh, and again, he shows them about fishing. And so they've been fishing all night, and he, all he does is ask them to try the other side of the boat. That's interesting, right? So it's the same lake, it's the same fish, it's the same boat, and the same crew. All he asks them to do is try the other side. And what does that mean? We have an expression in the Netherlands, over an andere boeg gooien, Right? That's kind of become a general business acumen. Heeft u al gedacht om het eens over een andere boeg te gooien? I'm sorry, uh, all you US uh, English-speaking crew. It's like, have you considered trying another way? 
And so it applies to a different way of thinking within a setting or a construct that's, that's, that's going to stay the same, that you can't change. And that can apply to businesses, um, but it can also apply to your family life. It can apply to a ministry. Uh, it can even apply to a marriage. Uh, same people, same crew, maybe a different approach. So in that way, this passage has been used to encourage us to try a different way. Uh, another analysis that I found by scholars, and it's actually something that struck me, Jesus up to now has been focusing all his attention on his Jewish brothers and sisters, right? Most of his uh, ministry focuses on explaining to the religious leaders that legalism, the legalism that they've been fallen into, is not the way to go. I mean, and Jesus is a visual storyteller. He v tells visual stories, parables, but he also creates visual situations like this with the fish. And he sometimes provokes, right? He heals somebody on the Sabbath. I mean, heaven forbid, right? I mean, how bad is it that somebody gets healed on the Sabbath? Uh, that's outrageous. So when you've become so engrossed into legalism that you can't even rejoice the healing of a brother or sister of the community on a Sabbath, <laughs> what went wrong? <laughs> where, where did something go wrong? The, some of the Pharisees, Pharisees and Sadducees were so blindly focused on, on, on legalism, on, on applying the law, that they couldn't even rejoice at that moment. And Jesus knew very well what he was doing when he healed somebody on the Sabbath. He's a bit of a rebel. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He kind of came to kind of kick the establishment a little bit. So now it's time for my glasses again. The second part of the sermon is about breakfast on the beach with your buddies. Anybody ever have breakfast on the beach? Sleep over on the beach? Campfire? Ah, careful. Yes. I have in the U.S. Where in the U.S. in a part where you could have a fire on the beach, which depends on which state you're in. Uh, it's really fun. And Jesus invites them for a meal of fish. Who eats fish here in the morning? <laughs> Apart from salmon in the hotel, uh, breakfast, right? That's the only time I eat fish in the morning is sometimes. When, um, it's the table. We have this beautiful, where's our beautiful table? Is it sort of locked behind closed doors? This theme, Paul introduced the theme of the table, right? The beginning of the series. It's about the table. And see, we know that Jesus and Peter have still have something to settle, right? Peter denied him three times. And, but he's still part of the crew. He's still part of the table. It's, uh, and so they first have food together, kind of like an alpha course, right? One of the biggest success formulas of the alpha course is you start with a meal. That's not coincidental. All right, so breakfast. Jesus and Peter, they have a little thing to settle. Peter, obviously, is the same guy who actually jumped up and cut some soldier's ear off when they were about to arrest Jesus. And Jesus heals the soldier and says, no, no, this has to happen. Then later, he denies Jesus three times because he's afraid to get crucified himself, right? And then how do you think he felt after that? I mean, I'm sure that he did it bothered him a lot. So in this passage in John, which we're not going to show on the screen, he actually, when he sees Jesus, he jumps <laughs> off the boat and starts already moving through the water to see Jesus. 
And that's the kind of guy Peter is. He's, he's a very impulsive uh, guy, but he really loves Jesus. But he also, I'm sure he doesn't feel really good about what happened there uh, when he denied Jesus three times. So what does Jesus do after the meal? He asks him three times, do you love me? Three times. Are we, do we have some text on that? Yes, we do. And we start with the first one. Yes, Lord, he says, you know that I love you. And what does Jesus say? Take care of my lambs, right? Then he asks him again, do you love me? And he says, you know that I do. And then he says, take care of my sheep. And the third time he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then what happens? He's hurt, disappointed, and then... He says, of course, and then Jesus says, feed my sheep. That's interesting. I, I uh, tried to figure this out. I mean, first of all, it's three times again. That's not a coincidence. So Jesus denied him, uh, Peter denied Jesus three times, and now he gets a chance to kind of repair that in three answers, right? But Jesus sort of steps up the, he starts with the lambs, take care of the lambs, then he steps up to take care of the sheep, and then feed my sheep. It's almost like he's being reinstated in his authority to teach people. Does that make sense? It's like a ritual between Peter and Jesus to also allow Peter to kind of repair what, he's, what, he, what he feels bad about, what happened. And the reason he did it, because he was afraid to die. And in the end, Peter does die. And he gets persecuted and, 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 and killed for, for following Jesus. So in the end, it happens. So in the, in the end, he does take that stand. Peter, Jesus always gives you that chance. He does. You know, he still invites you to the table. This is a table. We are a crew. We're all part of the table. So it's a wonderful thing to join the table here at the ministry center after the service. There's an idea behind that. That's why we have a nice ministry center and not a school uh, where lunching, having, having lunch here would be fine too, but there's something about the atmosphere over there that creates a setting of friendship and fellowship. Finally, so now let's take a look at Peter and John. This is interesting. So, so, so this meal is finished, so, he, 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 so Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? Then Peter says, yes, of course, and then he, he, he's upgraded back to feeding the sheep, right? That's us. Do you know sheep are not all that intelligent? I'm not sure why Jesus uses sheep a lot as in, in imagery, but they're not the smartest animals in the world, so I'm not so sure, sure, sure what, what that means anyway. <laughs> Peter is reinstated to, to feed the sheep. But now, something happens. Peter and John. Let's take a look at uh, another text. So what happens is Peter, after... Uh, Peter answers the right question. Jesus says, follow me. And if you read that fast, it can sound like a sort of, in general, like follow me. But no, he actually, it sounds like he got, gets up to walk. And then John follows them. And Peter says, what about him? Uh, and I wondered when I read that, what was their relationship like? Um, we all know that John was very meticulous about writing things down. Maybe that's why it's Paul's favorite 
gospel, because there's so much detail. Very conscientious. 153 fish. No, not a 152, not 154. So maybe he just wants to kind of hear the end of that conversation so he can write it down properly, right? It makes sense. That's the kind of detail-oriented person that he is. And Peter, who has felt ashamed and just got reinstated, the first thing is, so what about him? <laughs> I don't know how to interpret, interpret that. I don't know what intonation was in that sentence. But it is interesting that he asks. And I wonder what their, uh, what they are, uh, what their, what their relationship was like. Peter, very different person, that's clear. John, very meticulous, detail-oriented. Peter, very impulsive, right? I mean, if there's one word, impulsiveness, uh, that, that jumps out. At the same time, Peter, Jesus loves Peter and works with him. Uh, he likes working with him, but he also loves John, and he also loves working with, with John. Yeah, so what is he doing? Uh, actually, says uh, Jesus says to, uh, to, to Peter, for, uh, look, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Uh, that's an interesting text. We should use that for another sermon. Can we go down one more? What's that to you? I think that's the, the thing. I decide what happens to people. If John is going to be part of this conversation, that's up to me. Um, Peter, you don't have to control everything. That's what it sounds like to me. Does that make sense to you? Sort of? There's something here, right? I never noticed it before. It's still I uh, started preparing for this sermon. So can you show me the last slide? Any of you know this profile test? My, my wife and I uh, were licensed disc trainers. Actually, Elizabeth put me onto this. She uses it in education. Look, it's a tool. It's not perfect. But it helps you understand a little bit more about you, your personality traits, and especially in relationship to others. And I use it with the games companies because they're very different people. Sometimes it's a company with three or four people. They're all really good at either one is really good at coding, one is good at drawing, uh, drawing stuff, and one is really good at design. And, and, and hopefully there's somebody there that understands business. But they always pick them. They pick the team always based on skills. Naturally happens at school, usually, but not on personality. And uh, anybody here ever done this test? Yeah, all right. Any other, other tests? Myers and Briggs, uh, you know, there's, there's MBTI, there's so much out there. They're tools, okay? What they do is they break down, what, how many people? Three billion people in the world into several categories. It's only to help you understand. I wonder, where Peter, so D is decisive, dominant, sometimes also. I is inspirational, C is conscientious, and S is stable. Now, I've done this test about five times. I'm sort of, I, I kind of swing between D and I, depending on the situation. If I'm with a lot of Ds, uh, friends who uh, are deciding where to go snowboarding that day, then I'm like, fine, you guys decide, I don't care. If I'm in a situation where there's no Ds at all, and then everybody's like, well, I don't know what to do, then I'm like, okay, let's go. So that's sort of, I switch between these two roles. My wife is also D, so. <laughs> but as long as we have our goals aligned, we're fine. <laughs> and sense of humor is what saves us, really. C, 
conscientious, people really detail-oriented. I have a colleague who is like that, but we are a perfect team because she does all the things that I'm not good at, the blue stuff, right? And she also reminds me of stuff that I forget. We're a really good crew. We're very different, but we're a really good crew. Now, I wonder if Jesus used a disc profile to put down uh, his crew. Probably not, because it wasn't there yet. But I think this is based on people and on the design of us. So there's something there. And it could be with any of the other profiles that I used. Because all those profiles fall short. Because the uniqueness that we have can never be captured in one little model like that. Just like our fingerprints. I mean, I'm always amazed that it's actually scientifically proven that all our fingerprints are unique. That's amazing, isn't it? So these are just tools. But what if we would look at disk what if we had the disciples do a disk test? That would be interesting. I'm sure somebody's already tried it, maybe. Does anybody know? Anybody try that? What profile would Peter and John be? So the D, uh, my guess is Peter would be in the D space, and my guess is John would be in the C space. Now, they can also be really annoyed with each other. One of the powerful things about this test is it helps you understand why certain colleagues of you, you find them extremely annoying. That's because people who are more conscientious, they want to do things a certain way, and you can't interrupt them, and it has to be, and it has to be right. Facts matter. And these are more like the bigger idea and, you know, that kind of stuff. And the eyes especially. They're like, oh, it doesn't matter how it's done. It's just, it's about this big idea. Now, if they have a common goal and if they, are, if they get along well, then that works well. But it could be a little bit, and I just wonder, I'm not going to say this. Uh, I just wonder what profiles John and Peter had. But the point that Jesus makes is, it's up to me. I put the crew together, and you guys work together. And we are a crew. Now, the most... <laughs> the thing when I thought about this is your small group. How many of you are in life groups, small groups? <coughs> yeah, how long have you guys? Uh, maybe one, two, ten years, twelve years? Ever anybody in your small group that you're like, nah, not my type? Ever happen? No, of course not. <laughs> it's happened to me. But what I've always learned is if I put in the effort and it goes both ways, we have the love for each other. In the end, you end up learning so much from each other, right? It's really a powerful thing. So the crew here was put together by Jesus. Peter didn't pick John. John didn't pick Andrew. Pick Andrew. No, Jesus picked all of them. They didn't really have a choice, just like we don't have a choice. Who's in our church? Who's in our small groups? Well, we can. We could manage that, but we shouldn't. Jesus asked us to get along. And it's up to him who he puts in the crew. We are a crew, and we work together. And the table is an instrument to make that happen. The meal is a powerful thing. And John wraps up this thing about the breakfast, the last breakfast on the beach <laughs> with the crew. Before Jesus leaves, um, he gives them some things to think about. Uh, and then he goes on. And then the ministry starts. The ministry to the Gentiles. Acts goes right after this. And when you read that, that's when they start ministering to the Gentiles. 
all the effort was put to the Jews, and then it's the ministry towards the Gentiles. And that's where we are, we're, we're part of that story. The church is started there. And Jesus leaves and leaves it to the crew. And the churches that we have today, we're all part of that DNA. We are the Gentiles, we are the group. And I mean, some of us are, are Jewish, but Jesus added the whole crew. But at that moment in time, he said to the disciples, try the other side of the boat. Right now, they need to be reached. And Jesus is going to finish the story in Jerusalem with everybody. Um, but we as a church are part of the crew now. And Jesus wants us to get along, unite. We can use the table as an instrument. Uh, so let's eat together. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.